Second John. Second John. I don't know if I announced it last week. I was going to start uh, another book of the Bible this week, and I sat down with a fellow believer on Monday morning, and he was jumping into Second John, and of course, I just finished First John. And when he did his 15 or 20 minutes of this is, and I just said, okay, Ray, I'm doing Second John too. <laughs> and so here we are, Holy Spirit yanked on my chain and said, no, this is next. So Second John, let me read the entire letter. The elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth, as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we, might, we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you, and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Well, the first question we ask as we read the first verse is, to the elect, to the elder, to the elect lady and her children. Who is he writing to? Well, the immediate thing that would come to our mind is he's writing to a specific individual woman. No, he's actually writing to a local church. Why does he call this local church the elect lady. 
we are, yes, I heard our, we are the bride of Christ. We are the chosen, he is the, he is the bride. Let me ask you guys, you married fellows. Uh, is it not pretty much standard operating position? You saw this young lady and said, ah, my wife hates this. My wife, absolutely. <laughs> I saw her at a worship service in a, in a house church. In a house church. There's probably about 35, 40 people there. And I had been going to this house church for several weeks. And uh, she had gone there formerly. She was still a student in nursing at... Uh, what, North Texas State University and, and some other gals who were still coming to the, said, why don't you join us? And so I saw her across the room. Had never spoken to her. I saw her and, oh, there she is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there she was. And it was about 13 months later we said, I do. The elect lady. Well, this elect lady is a church. Notice how he closes this letter. The children of your elect sister greet you. Well, he is writing from a particular place, from the, that environment of a local church over here to a local church over here. But we are, how does God look on, how does Jesus look on us? We are his bride. That same tender heart that draws a man to a particular woman. God chose us. What's the doctrine of election? God chose us, pursued us, gave us light and life, and brought us home. We are His bride, pursued by Him. He loved us before we loved Him. To the elect lady and her children, the people active in that congregation, whom I love in truth. Notice that word that he incessantly uses. Truth, 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 truth. I looked in my concordance. In the Gospel of John, the word truth occurs 26 times. In this letter alone, it's one, two, three, four, five. Folks, this is 13 verses. In their first four verses, he uses the word truth. Five times. Why? Because it is to be our orientation. It is our, in 1 John chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, that wisdom, that truth, that reality that predates the creation of the universe is the wisdom, is the truth that I, John, and the other apostles observed for three to three and a half years of Jesus' public ministry. We witnessed the truth. We witnessed the truth displayed before us. And that is the reality that God enables us to work in. Folks, can, can we call ourselves children of mercy? Children of grace? That God would take us left to ourselves completely 
disqualified, and he qualifies the disqualified. He qualifies the disqualified. He's the God who loves mercy. We're going to conclude our time together today at the Lord's table, which is a table of remembrance of what? God's most deep, powerful expression of mercy in sending His Son to the cross to pay sin's penalty for us so we would have the freedom to be merciful to us. That is our day-to-day-to-day reality. We've had testimonies this morning from people who talked about the mercy the grace, the provision that came to us, came to them, came to us. The reason anyone is in the kingdom is the God of mercy sought us out. And John hammers that. And You know why he hammers it? Because we need it. We need it. The number one thing Satan wants us to forget is God's aggressive mercy. Satan wants to disqualify us in our own minds and hearts from the concept that we have a welcome with God. And I know I'm wearing out this passage. What's the most important passage in the Bible? Oh, come on. Vincent, Zechariah chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 is the most important passage passage in the Bible. What do you see in Zechariah 3, 1 through 5? Zechariah is being moved from one vision to another vision to another vision by an angel. And Zechariah is in the back in the land of Israel from the Babylonian captivity. And you've got two fellows, Zerubbabel, the descendant of David, and Joshua, the high priest. They led this band of people back from Babylon to the land, and they have the, the permission to rebuild the temple. And God is leading with this angel. He's leading Zechariah from one vision to another vision to another. And Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, he, the angel, showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is the pre-incarnate God the Son. Standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. That's not hard for us to imagine. It happens to us all the time. Satan's always standing on your shoulder whispering in your ear about how disqualified you are, how disqualified you are, how disqualified you are. And the angel of the Lord said to Satan, Satan, I rebuke you. I, who have chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? I am the qualifier of the disqualified. He was deservedly in the flame of fire, and I yanked him out. And Joshua is standing before the angel of the Lord, and he is dressed in filthy garments. He's not dressed in his high priestly garb. He's dressed in filthy garments. And the angel of the Lord said to the attending angels, take the filthy garments off of him and clothe him in rich robes. Clothe him in party clothes. This isn't an officious religious event. This is party time. 
Folks, you are glad when we are redeemed, when we are forgiven. It is something God does with gladness. Satan doesn't want you to know that about your God. This is the God Hosea the prophet said God loves mercy more than, than religiosity, than sacrifice. He loves, he loves mercy. He loves to exercise mercy and he loves it when we do. Take the filthy garments off of him and clothe him in party clothes, rich robes. And Zechariah says, and put the clean turban on his head, the priest, high priestly turban that has the plaque on the front that says, holy to the Lord. Every issue is addressed. And what role is Joshua the high priest playing? He's standing there simply receiving the benefits. That is the reality. That is the truth reality for us. That's lesson number one for us to get if we're going to stand steadfast in the presence of God in this hostile environment where the world of flesh and the devil are pulling at us from every direction. But we can stand in that truth and be victorious by the enabling power of God. His truth, His truth, His truth defeats the lies, plural. Satan's lies come in all kinds of ways. But the truth, the truth, the truth. And what does John say? The elect lady and her children whom I love in truth. When I related the truth to you, I was loving you. I love you in truth. And we all, I, John, and all of us stand in the truth. The truth is step one in having an authentic, clean, correct relationship with God and with one another. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave his only begotten son, the heir of the entire, all of heaven's estate, his only begotten son, that whoever, whoever believes in him. You mean even like that woman taken in adultery that was dragged into the temple? You mean even like that Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well outside the city of Sychar? You know, I, 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 yeah. Including, by the way, who are the sin most... You know, if I was making a list of the sinful people of the Jewish culture in Jesus' day, you know who would be at the top of the list? The high priest. The high priest actually engineered Jesus' murder knowing who he was. But the truth. We stand in the truth. We've been chosen. We've been lifted up and made his children, his, his children of mercy, and we stand in the truth, don't, by the enabling power of God's Holy Spirit, stand in the truth. I love you in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth, who stand shoulder to shoulder with me, also love you because of the truth. Have I made my point? <laughs> that abides in us and will be with us forever. You know, folks, the contest, the conflict between God and Lucifer isn't even, isn't close. 
The scripture says of God and his relationship with Lucifer, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He holds Lucifer in scorn. You know, I'm, I, now this is my conjecture. Okay, this is, I actually do believe that there is a jester class of angels. I think they're actually angelic comedians who stand before the throne of God and their number one topic is Lucifer and his idiotic stupidity. And he who sits in the heavens laughs. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He who si- because Lucifer keeps overdoing it and blowing it and blowing it in every conceivable way. We stand. He has brought us into this environment where our minds, hearts, spirits stand in the truth. And so what is our role? Be people of the word. This should be your daily diet. His truth. Without it, you cannot be victorious. With it, walking in it, you will be victorious. And it won't be close. I love you in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace. What is the content of the truth? Wow, what a definition. Grace. Who's in favor of God's constantly being the gifter? The same word translated grace is, 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 the, is translated in other contexts, gift. God is constantly giving, 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 giving. He is the God of grace. Grace, mercy. The greatest gift of all. Grace, mercy, and peace. These recipients of this letter are living in a very, humanly speaking, spiritually speaking, uh, speaking hostile environment. But they have a right to peace. <clears throat> they have a right to peace. What was it about Jesus that so astonished Pontius Pilate? All these accusations coming. And what did Jesus do with the accusations? He didn't even answer. He didn't even open his mouth. And Pilate finally in frustration, he's never had a candidate for crucifixion before him that wasn't begging, that wasn't doing everything they could think of. And here is this Jesus not responding at all until finally the Jewish leadership says, well, he claims to be the king of the Jews. Well, is that true, Jesus? Well, yes, they did get that right. Jesus finally answers him. And then they made another accusation that really freaked out Pilate. He also claims to be the son of God. (coughs) And Pilate had already gotten the message from his wife saying, don't have anything to do with this righteous, this just man. I have been tormented in dreams all night because of him. And Pilate then washed his hands of the blood, the guilt of the blood of this just man. And the Jewish leadership led the crowd in the chant, let his blood be on us and on our children. But here was Jesus not answering any accusations until the two truthful ones were made. And then he said, oh yeah, they got that right. Oh yeah, they got that right. 
hostile environment, but we stand in the truth, grace, mercy, and peace in the midst of our hostile environment. And what they were living in was much worse than ours. This is what they were living in was much more analogous to modern-day India. By the way, the, the persecution in India today is worse than it has ever been. Their prime minister is a radical Hindu that is really persecuting Christians. Why? Because the Christians are those Hindus and those untouchables that have left Hinduism and they're not worshiping the higher caste Hindus. How dare you not worship us? <laughs> they are experiencing that. So it's in our day, it's in Afghanistan, it's in China, it's all over the place. That's their environment. There are people, as this letter is being written, still being thrown to the lions in the Colosseum because of their loyalty to Jesus. Grace, mercy, and peace, peace, will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth, have I made my point? And love. In truth and love. You get to stand in reality, in the full reality of the creation of the Creator God. And you know the end of the story because you've been told by the Hebrew prophets and also by our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a kingdom coming. There is a kingdom coming. I rejoiced greatly. that I have found some of your children walking in truth. <laughs> walking in the reality that I've just been speaking of. I witnessed this and it heartens me enormously. There's no greater encouragement that I could receive from people who declare themselves to be disciples than to see that they are authentically walking on a day-to-day -day basis in the truth walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. The truth that was granted to us, commanded to us, worship God, and obey Him forever, trust Him. They're doing that and they're experiencing the blessing that comes from that. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Well, we just spent several weeks in 1 John. What is the command that Peter, Paul, John, oh yeah, John wrote 1 John. John repeats over and over, love one another, love one another, love one another. If you do not love your brother, you are not loving God. And if you are loving God, you will be loving your brother. Those go together. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you. you this is my standard, uh, basic teaching. Whenever I go to a new congregation with my basic seminar, this is it. Truth, truth, love one another, love one another, love one another. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Mark, you've been saying this over and over several weeks. It's time to stop it, folks. 
I need to hear it over and over again, and so do you, and so did John, and so did John's readers. <coughs> this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. What are his commandments? As John says in 1 John, you shall love the one that he didn't spend a lot of time on, you shall, but he mentions it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And number two, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Over and over because we need the repetition. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. What? At the close of verse 5, that we should, that we should love one another. This is love. This is love that we do what he says to do. If we're loving God, we will be loving each other. Don't try to separate those two things. They go together. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. And you had, well, in 3 John, but you had in in as Paul is writing, for example, the letter to the Galatians, what's he writing that letter for? Because he had gone to the province of Galatia and he had founded several churches there. Since then, he had left there and he's gotten word about those churches that Judaizers had come into many of those congregations and were pulling people away from their loyalty to Jesus in favor of pharisaical type of practices. And he's writing the book of Galatians to rebuke that whole thing and set them back in order. So it is here, that was one form of the deception was the uh, pharisaical type of Judaizers who were coming in to subvert the churches. But there are many other formats. Many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess, and this is the core attack always, that Jesus Christ, they do not confess Jesus the Messiah, the anointed son of David, as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver. They are liars, and they know they are liars. They know they are liars. They're deceivers, and this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Let me ask you a question. That fellow Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, what was he? He was a deceiver and an antichrist. He was the tip of the spear of the persecution of the church in Judea, and now that maniacal guy has gone up to Damascus of Syria to extend the persecution of the Christian Jews in Damascus when Jesus face plants him in the dirt outside the gates of Damascus. And Jesus says to him, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Who are you, Lord? You know who I am. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul of Tarsus, before his conversion, knew the truth. He didn't want to admit it. For his own pride's sake, the pride of his ethnicity, the pride of who he was, what he thought he could step into as being held up by the people of his culture. And he 
by the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the help of the Holy Spirit and God the Father, he was pulled away from that tar baby. He got pulled away from that, and he was made into a brand new man, a servant of the God of truth. Truth. Many deceivers, liars, have gone out into the world, and liars know they're lying. Many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah, that he has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. They are against him. (coughs) Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we are... That we receive the full, you need to stand against all of this. And as you stand steadfast with the Lord, shoulder to shoulder with the Lord Jesus, speaking the truth about the God of truth and his ways, you will receive a full reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Those will be the words coming to many ears at the judgment seat of Christ. Whoever transgresses and does not abide, remain in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. And as John has mentioned in 1 John, and as he mentions it here, there are people who do come out and make a profession and then pull away from that profession later. We have probably all known people who have done that to our shock and dismay. People who we thought were loyal disciples. This suddenly we find out they're off in some messed up cult. Or they've gone to they've left abandoned Christianity to serve themselves. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in, remain in, dwell in the doctrine of Christ, that Jesus of Nazareth is God come in the flesh. This is who he is, and he is the anointed Messiah, the son of David, does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And believe me, that was the contested doctrine in the first century. That was what the Jewish opposition to the rise of Christianity was about Jesus. Who is he? And the Roman opposition, the Greek, the Greek-Roman world... You can't declare that guy Jesus to be king and kings, lord of lords. No, no, no. Nero's got that covered. (laughs) He who abides in the doctrine of Christ, the reality of who he is, king of kings, lord of lords, god of gods, has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, again, he's writing to a congregation. If anyone shows up in your congregation and does not have this doctrine, has, do not receive him into your house, into your house church, nor greet him. Many years ago, when we were meeting in a, our previous location, there was a guy that came into the worship service one Sunday morning, and I'd never seen this guy before, and he comes to me and you know, before the worship service, and he says, well, I want you to know that I am one of God's special people, and he is... I am a prophet. I am a prophet. And da-da-da-da-da. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Whatever you say, pal. Okay. Have a seat. 
And then we started our worship service and got to the praise and prayer request time. And this guy stood up and he rebuked me. I told you that I am a prophet and you did not invite me to come and speak to these people. I stepped down off the platform, stepped down, took him by the elbow, and I walked him to the door and shoved him out the door, and I said, don't you ever come back here. He was a deceiver and an antichrist. He was a false prophet who wanted people's adulation and attention. We weren't going to give it to him. Now, that was all enabled by the Holy Spirit, believe me. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Having many things to write to you, I, do not, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. I can't wait to come and be with you and speak more deeply and fully on these topics. The children of your elect sister, the congregation that I'm ministering to right now, greeting, greet you. Amen. Now, by the way, 3 John is basically a, a letter of encouragement, <clears throat> but it's also a letter of rebuke. In 3 John, you've got a fellow by the name of Diotrephes, who loves the adulation and attention. Loves the adulation and attention. And he will not allow John's writings, John's letters to be read in that congregation. And John says, when I show up, well, my paraphrase is, I'm going to sucker punch this guy <laughs> when I show up. But oh, by the way, in this same letter, 3 John, he speaks of Demetrius, who is a person of great value, a steadfast, loyal disciple. So John knew what was going on. He knew what the critical issues were. Diotrephes was a form of anti. He wanted the attention that was rightfully only the attention belonging to Jesus. We live in a culture right now, I am grieved to say, we live in a culture that very much has this problem. We have pastors. We have people that want the attention for themselves. They want all the wealth. They want all they aren't there they aren't pastors or ministry leaders or cult leaders, whatever you want to call them, for the sake of the glory of God. No, it's for their own sake and their own glory. And Jesus, we are not to welcome them. We are not to welcome them. What Brandon did earlier, speaking about these advertisements that are going to be going on in the super, what is this about? It's about people who may be saying some truth, but they are adding things that, that they're adding that drop of poison to the message that makes it lethal instead of granting life and health to God's people or to the yet to be redeemed. We always need to be alert. The number one thing, who is Jesus and what has he accomplished, is the number one question to ask anyone 
both in evangelism, when it's someone who does not profess faith in Christ, what do you know about Jesus? To your best of your knowledge, what has he done? And then, as we are enabled by God, we can correct or fill in blank information that they don't have. But there are also people that, need, that are in the body of Christ, so to speak, in the public view, that need to be corrected, that need to be stiff-armed. And that is just as important as evangelism is keeping the church clean. I'm going to ask Alexi and Stephen Meek to join me here.